This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Shall we begin? Listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmila and Arvin. And together today, we are reviewing the latest, the first this year from Marvel Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania, um, directed by Peyton Reed. It's the sequel to um, the, or rather, part of the Ant Man trilogy, which is where we find ourselves. Let's discuss, let's talk about it. <laughs> okay. Is it possible to have come out of a movie having generally enjoyed myself, had a good time and yet care so little about a movie um, because that's like, that's exactly what I felt about this film. And I'm sad that I feel that about a film from the MCU. Yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> so I'm um, not alone in this is what you're saying. No, 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 not at all. Um, okay, so like two things, right? Uh, this is not a good movie uh, at all. Uh, objectively speaking, it's probably a bad movie. Um, I don't think anyone who has seen good movies can also say that this is a good movie, objectively. Um, subjectively, I enjoyed it a lot, like a lot. Um, it's not Marvel's best. It's uh, it's janky and, and weirdly paced and no one actually looks like they're acting in the same space or even looking at each other in some of the scenes. Um, but all that aside, I, I had a fun two hours watching this and I think I enjoyed it. No, I definitely know I enjoyed it more than Multiverse of Madness and Love and Thunder combined. So yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at with this movie. So this is my Love and Thunder. Um, in that, <laughs> in that, Arvin has been railing about Love and Thunder for a while now. Uh, you know, just kind of like 30 seconds in is already 30 seconds too long, etc. Um <laughs> I didn't feel that way about Love and Thunder, partly because of the um, incredibly low expectations I had going into that, which, by the way, I brought in to Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I wasn't expecting it to be good. The trailer didn't make it look good. Nothing about it was particularly promising. And yet, somehow, I found myself so angry, like so mad at the idea that I paid for this, um, that I'm locked into this ridiculous universe that increasingly has no respect for me as a viewer and no, res no interest in storytelling or character, <laughs> no interest in even making a movie look good. So angry, so mad. And... Um, I mean, I don't want to like lay it all out at the start and just ruin everything. So I'll I'll pace myself. But I I really did not like this movie. I I find it I I didn't like it. I thought it was awful. <laughs> you know, you want to pace yourself? So unlike what this movie did. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> I was gonna say it's about at this point of the review that 
you, Lin, usually try and summarize the film and this being an MCU film, the challenge is usually trying not to spoil things or to reveal too much. But thinking back to this movie, I'm like, who cares? What is there to be spoiled? What is there that's going to surprise you or or catch you unawares or um, indicate something that's coming in the future that you don't already know? Because, and I guess that's really the problem, right? Um, Ant-Man, to be fair, the Ant-Man movies have always been a low stakes, good bit of fun, right? Like I've generally gone into them, not with low expectations, but with the expectation that I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to enjoy Paul Rudd tremendously and that it's going to be funny and kind of silly. Um, And all of that has held true even with this one. But the problem is that this movie simultaneously also wants to be first movie in phase five, setting up Kang, what's going to happen next. And, And so it's like, what does it actually want to do? None of these things feel huge enough. Neither do they really feel like an Ant-Man movie anymore. So I don't mind the the Ant-Man progression. Like I think, especially with the trilogies, like they always, the sequels are always different in blueprint from the previous one, like Captain America and Iron Man and stuff. So I, I think I also agree. I think Marvel's biggest problem now is not knowing if they want something to be an intimate story or be like an Avengers level extinction event, right? Um, so they end up making these movies that are struggling to find that sweet spot. And they also want to cram everything, like insane storylines that we've never seen or heard of before into barely two hours with credits. Um, I like that Ant-Man is getting these big storylines. I think the character deserves it. You know, he he is an Avenger, but it, it wants to be about family. It also wants to be about like relationships, but it needs to introduce the multiverse saga. And then there's Kang. Um, it also needs to be funny, but it also needs to be serious enough so you know that Kang is like the big bad and, you know, Thanos level or, or more dangerous than Thanos. Um, and you can see them struggle. And, and that's not a good sign as an audience member to see them struggling to fit everything together. Um, I think the Infinity Saga set a benchmark that was way too high. And now it's a lot of the rings problem. It's like the bar is way too high and Marvel can't beat their own game. So Thanos, Thanos is their, their biggest Achilles heel at the moment. I mean, it's it's a mixture of things, right? It's both Thanos as well as the understandableness of what they're building up to. So in the case of, um, you know, Avengers, Infinity, etc., you got a sense of what was at stake. Um, even if you didn't fully understand the convoluted storyline, you're like, yeah, okay, basically people have disappeared and they're trying to reappear them. Um, and they need to battle time. They need to battle uh, their own insecurities. Like all that stuff is basically relatable. We understand the framework of that. But what the multiverse quantum mania is trying to set up is at this point, um, either you have to be heavily invested in it or you have to be a pre-existing comic book, sci-fi, fantasy person. Um, if not, it's way too high. Uh, it's it's way too difficult. The, the bar for entry to understanding like what the threat even is, is too great. And then you throw that in with like the funny haha offhand modoc stuff and you're just like i can't i just cannot invest in this um sharmila you asked me to or you pointed out that at this point usually i would summarize the story i think it's a i think it's enough to say that Ant-Man and the wasp both iterations of them old and young get stuck in the quantum verse where they encounter kang the conqueror and and have to also confront things from their past and that's it and they do each of those things 
poorly, except for the part where they encounter Kang, who is really the centerpiece of this whole movie. Because it, I think that's the other thing, right? The title makes me angry. This movie is not really about Ant-Man and the Wasp at all. It's actually not about the Wasp even a little bit. And that made at me all. even more angry because mm-hmm. they've been kind of playing around with Evangeline Lilly and the Wasp for ages. Now they've never properly given her her due. Um, and instead of doing that, they introduce... Other elements, okay, maybe here I'll try not to spoil things, but they introduce other elements um, within the Ant-Man, I suppose, range of powers and possibilities who nobody cares for. Like, um, So it's weird, right? You spend time getting us to invest in characters and stories, and then instead of building those, you just throw them away. Um, similarly, I love the fact that Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer got so much shine in this film. They had such cool sequences. Uh, they were great fun to watch. In fact, for me, the highlight was really watching them get into the in, into the, the quantum realm and having their own adventures. But then at some point, they just stop caring about them as well. Like suddenly, they're like in the beginning, Janet Van Dyne is is a pretty big deal in this in this journey. But by the end, you hardly know where she is in between all the action that's happening. Oh, you can tell that they didn't know where they were by the <laughs> end of the movie. Like Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer, they had no idea what was going on. Um, I, I don't know if it's Marvel's production value or what, but their CGI and their creature design and their overall aesthetic keeps getting worse in every movie. Like the quality of the production is worse, which shouldn't be the case for the MCU, right? The guys who dominate cinema nowadays. Um, we reviewed like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids yesterday and, and you know, we spoke about like practical effects and, you know, like tangible effects, tactile nature of things. The quantum realm could have looked so beautiful if they put some effort into those sorts of practical effects, like it could have been at least like visually pleasing, you know, like, like the Dune effect, like you don't know what is CGI or, or what's real and what's not. Um, I felt like that, that whole world had the potential to be so nice to look at in like IMAX or like a big screen, but then it just ended up being like, you know, like CGI, nothing. Like it looks like a cartoon. All of it looks not real. You know that they're standing in front of a green screen um, it just wasted potential. I, I thought like the movie could have at least looked, you know, visually stunning, but it's not. It, I, I don't think it is. We're so used to seeing these things that it's like a, oh, okay, it's another, it's another CGI world. You know, like what else is new? I'm not going to lie, the look of the film really bummed me out um, in, in the same way that the Multiverse of Madness did in that if you're going to start mm. talking about multiverses, if you're going to start you know, mentioning things like the quantum verse, which you've upsold to us so many times, um, then the only reason it looks like this is because you know I'll watch it regardless. And that's what I mean about the lack of love um, or, or that lack of feeling of love through the whole thing. But anyways, we can come back and discuss it. Like I said, I don't want to uh, get ahead of myself. We're talking today about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Um, have you watched it yet? Do you plan to? You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. But films, man. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You're an interesting man. Scott Lang. Um, I don't know who you are, but you've made a big mistake, okay? I'm an Avenger. I've called the other Avengers. You're an Avenger? Have I killed you before? (laughs) What? They all blur together after a while. You're not the one with the hammer. It's Thor. We get confused a lot. Similar body types. 
Who are you? Just a man who's lost a lot of time, like you. But we can help each other with that. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmila and Arvin, and together we're reviewing Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Let's talk about the good stuff. So, um, so far, I, I think we can say that our review is collectively mixed. Um, you both enjoyed it while knowing that it's not good. I'm straight up mad about it. Um, but I think we can all agree that some of the performances are, are really solid and fun. I mean, um, Paul Rudd, never lets you down as Scott Lang is the thing. Like he's always charming and, and great to watch, like supremely watchable in general. And then Jonathan Majors as Kang is just great. Like really, really wonderful. Um, you already mentioned Michael Douglas, Michelle Pfeiffer earlier. So there are some nice performances packed in here. There are also others that bring it down though, aside from the general writing. I I always love watching Paul Rudd in practically anything he does, right? So um and him as Ant-Man is one of those dream casting things that never gets boring. I just wish that he was given more to do that was more impressive rather than just, I don't know. I don't know why Marvel's been also simultaneously trying to do this thing where um, whether they're trying to introduce a, a young Avengers thread or um, so there's a lot of these family value stuff also that they're trying to fold into the movies. So in the end, it starts feeling like it's a little too much. I mean, Paul Rudd's great. I love the whole he's a committed dad thread that they've been doing in Ant-Man. But this movie didn't need to... Like, of all things, I don't think the complaint people had about Ant-Man was, you know what I want to see? More of the father-daughter relationship. And the focus on that and the focus on um, a bunch of just weird plot threads really didn't work for me. Uh, yeah, I... I so we, we did start with what we liked, right? So I will say that actually, actually, weirdly enough, I liked the way the movie looked. Um, I know that a lot of people have been calling it ugly. I disliked that it was so CGI, but I love the weird grossness of the world. I just wish that they didn't make it look so weird and animated. I would have preferred something mm -hmm. more realistic. Yeah, yeah. Same. Um, I also like Paul Rudd. Um, I'll watch anything that he's in. I think he always delivers as, as Scott Lang slash Ant-Man. Um, I think Jonathan Majors alone will justify your, the price of your ticket if you're paying for this. Um, the guy was not given the best costumes to work with. I think he looked goofy. Uh, the production value looks like it's on a budget, like, like we said before the break. Um, and he looks goofier as the movie goes along, right? So let's just put it that way. Lah. Um, but man, like he makes it work. Like his acting is on a whole other level. He's operating on another level. Um, he deserved to be in a better movie. I think he thinks he's in a different movie um and i think the the you know like the multiverse saga hasn't been off to a good start yet but i think they did a fantastic job by choosing jonathan majors as kang and like their next big bad we've seen him do this before we've we've seen him perform on like this next level thing before but this is something else like he brought so much to this movie like he is carrying this movie on his back i think it's it's his film He's wildly charismatic, isn't he? Mm. I mean, mm. that's really what it comes down to. You you want to watch him 
just speak and be angsty and existential and do all the the kangy things and like I I really enjoyed that. Um, we are running down to the second half of the second half of our review, so I'm just going to say all the things that I have to say and leave it on the table. Um, I think that this movie is the worst of all Marvel impulses rolled into one. Um, I do think it's ugly and over CGI'd. It's weirdly paced. Uh, it simultaneously wants to be funny while also wanting unearned emotional beats to really land, which I don't think worked. Um, consistently, they have problems, as Sharmila, you alluded to, introducing new characters and wanting to be seen as, hey, we're really woke, um, we've got it right, and just not earning those characters' right to be as powerful as, as they turn out to be. All those things. Um, and also, I have long come to dread the third act of a Marvel film. Um, that's usually the point at which I lose interest. That's usually the point at which the CG just becomes too much of a muchness and I can't really follow things anymore and everything feels weightless. This movie is 120 minutes of that. It's all that weightless. It's all that kind of confusing and, and buzzy and befuddling. And yeah, um, I really wish I liked it more. I... I have enjoyed the Ant-Man movies, but this really disappointed me and, and has me rethinking, I don't know how I feel about participating in this whole Marvelism, Marvelization. Is this actually an Ant-Man movie is the question, right? This could have been any superhero in any made-up world um, because it's actually about Kang. And, and I'm very excited about Jonathan Majors. I am. I think he's going to be great. We kind of already saw the best of him in another property within the universe. I'm not going to say where in case you haven't watched it yet. Um, so really, it's not even a proper introduction of Kang. It's a big screen introduction, perhaps. But yeah, I, I don't even think this is an Ant-Man movie, to be honest, because it feels so interchangeable and, and replaceable. Um, and, and to your point, Lynn, actually, the the third act of this film is probably the worst example of... So, you know, remember when people complained about the Chitauri attack and, and how you couldn't see anything, you don't know who was fighting whom? This is that amped up to 200. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's so much... I felt it was so much ugly CGI unnecessarily ugly CGI and CGI that we've seen before um, also. like It looks like they've reused some bits and pieces from other movies. Um, all that being said, though, I, I started out by saying that I enjoyed the movie. Um, I think that, you know, it has a certain brand of like escapism and entertainment from the MCU that I still love. Um, it, it's nice to watch after like a, a stressful day or stressful week or weekend or whatever it is. It's pure like popcorn entertainment. I just feel like I wish that I didn't have to justify my love for the for enjoying it or justify myself enjoying it for it being a bad movie, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, I like it, but it's a bad movie. I, I wish it was a good movie that I just happened to like because it had the potential. So yeah, like like major letdown in, in that department. But you know, it, it's not like, I didn't feel like it was a waste of ticket money at all. I guess what it comes down to for me is I'm just not enough of a comic book nerd or comic book geek to want to continue down this path. I will because um, we are likely to continue mm. reviewing them. They're still like really huge movies. I, I get that they are pop culture moments, um, but I'm approaching it with an increasing sense of I don't feel the love. I think that's what it comes down to. I don't feel the love that went into making the film um, and I don't feel the love of the audience. Yes, I think what is bothering me is that 
it is starting to feel like an endless churning out of material rather than something that they make because they want the audience to feel something or to be transported somewhere. Um, I'm... I'm not disagreeing with you, Arvin, in the sense that I was fine with watching it in the cinema. Knowing what I know now, I would just as happily just watch it at home. I I, I don't think, and I rarely say that. I, I rarely say I would have rather watch something at home. This one, I think it loses nothing by just watching it on a small screen at home. Oh, yeah, 100%. I, I agree. Like, it, it it's a perfect weekend watch on TV, actually, yeah, which is such a weird thing to say about uh, the MCU. Um, I don't know. I'm also starting to wonder if, if, you know, Marvel has shifted its demographic to people under 12 um, for some <laughs> reason, which these movies were always made for kids, I know, but even more so with like Multiverse of Madness and Love and Thunder and now Quantumania, right? Um, as a cartoon, it's a solid cartoon. But as a movie, I, I don't see how adults like us can enjoy it in the same way we enjoyed something like Infinity War, Iron Man or Endgame. Um, what does it say know? that the most exciting things about the movie were the two end credit scenes? And there are two, don't miss them. Uh, but yeah, yes, yeah. to me, those were more exciting than the whole movie I just watched. It's weird now because, um, Ivan, you're saying literally what I said about Love and Thunder. That it's a that it's a at-home weekend, <laughs> Saturday morning cartoon thing. And maybe that's mm-hmm. just where we're at. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we've been talking today about Ant-Man and the Wasp. Quantumania, um, which we all enjoyed to varying degrees uh, from not at all to kinda enough. Um, let us know how you feel about it. If you've watched it, WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at movies at bfm.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.